Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm a feminist, but recently I got out of a feminist Zoom by claiming I was doing another feminist Zoom when in fact I was doing a moisture mask and rewatching Succession. <laughs> <laughs> to be strictly fair to me, I don't think it was going to be a very productive feminist Zoom. You know, one of those ones where it's just going to, you just know it's going to be all talk. So I was like, <laughs> do you mind just filling me in with the highlights? There were only three highlights. It was a one hour Zoom. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> three highlights, and I didn't need that. What I did need. Was, was a moisturizer on your hydration. I wanted hydration. You deserve hydration, I actually. Really care about my skin now. I really care how hydrated my skin is because it does make a huge difference to me. Got it. And to feminism. And because, to feminism mostly. Because face buoyancy. <laughs> People read it. If you've got a buoyant face, if you're coming out there and you're like smiling, mm. moistly. Sorry for people who cannot handle the word moist. I'm <laughs> apologising in spades for that. But I think that there's actually one of the primary tenets of feminism is radiant skin. <laughs> I think that's definitely part of it. I really like having good skin. So that's... fine, sue me. I did a drunk elephant moisture mask. What's a drunk elephant moisture and oh, why is it a, called that? Oh, drunk elephant's just a, a, a type of product. Oh, what a terrible name. Don't say that. They oh, might send me sorry. more free oh, stuff. Oh, sorry, no. 
What hey, a great name. What a great name. Well, Edit that you. bit in. What a great name. Drunk Elephant. Oh, I want to try that. Excellent. So my skin is more moist. Excellent. Well done. Speaking of elephants, I thought you said I came out of a, a feminist zoo. And I was like, zoo what's a feminist zoo? I got out of a feminist zoo by telling them I was going to a different feminist zoo. Do you think in a you feminist imagine? Do you think in a feminist zoo they actually have feminists that you can go and look at behind a cage? Or feminist animals? Like the seahorse. I don't I don't think you can go and pet Gloria Steinem, no. I would love that. I mean, maybe you don't go in and pet her, but maybe you go in and you have a cup of tea in her enclosure. <laughs> And she talks to you about the 70s and, like, you're like, oh, I had no idea. Thanks so much, Gloria Steinem. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Ser- yeah. Well, listen, that would be ideal, but I still feel it, it Just talk about moon a, cups. should be more of a seminar than a, than a zoo. Than a zoo, yeah. yeah that's my feeling. But maybe we- feminists are endangered and so you, it's the great, great quandary of zoos that you actually have to have them captive so you can raise the money for future conservation of, of feminists. I feel, do you know what? I feel Big Pharma is behind the feminist zoo. It usually is. It's men's rights activists have tried to convince you that feminists are a dying breed and therefore we need to lock them up. That's yeah. what it is. It's yeah. definitely going to be one of those, one of those, what's his name, Peterson? What's his name? Uh, uh, I was Jordan get, Peterson? Jordan, yeah. Let me do that again because I should know his name, but I really forget it. I think I'm it's very... actually feminist that you didn't. Do you think? Yeah. Uh, Joe, I wanted to call him Jojo Peterson. I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> Jojo. No, it makes him sound cute. Don't no. infantilise him. No, he could be in an enclosure then. Yeah, he could be in an enclosure. And we'll you throw bananas one. at him. Do right. one. Okay, you do one. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I read Goldilocks to my son and I always do Mama Bear's voice like this. <laughs> then Mama Bear looked at her bowl of porridge and said, Who's been eating my porridge? <laughs> It's so funny. I know that it's not feminist. And I'm like, then Mama Bear says, why don't we go for a walk and then we'll let the porridge cool down. That's genuinely terrible. <laughs> Get out. That poor child, that's a boy who's being told women talk like this. No, just Mama Bear. Goldilocks has got a very deep voice. Okay, then that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. As long as there's a variety of voices. Yeah, when, obviously, when she breaks the chair, she's like, no, fuck. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, nah, look what I've done. I need a sleep, eh? That's how Goldilocks talks. There's a range of women involved in the story. I'm also, a... why is Goldilocks' parent, not Goldilocks' parents, why are Mama Bear and Papa Bear sleeping in separate beds? Point number one. <laughs> Point number two, how could they go for a walk, come back, and one of their bowls of porridge be too hot and the same size bowl or even a media one be too cold? How can they be that different and then the third one is just right in an even smaller bowl? <laughs> Riddle me this. <laughs> It does seem like a setup to Doesn't ca- it? to catch a child. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I secretly wish I were a man. Same. <laughs> Hold. A gay man with a hot boyfriend and a white sofa and a Dolce & Gabbana suit and a close personal friendship with Lizzo. 
love that. I think I'd just be so great at being a gay man. I really think I'm wasted. Yeah, I, do you know, I genuinely said in high school, I feel like I'm a gay man trapped in a woman's body. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have outlived that idea at all. If you look at my very flamboyant hand gesture and the fact that I'm dressed like Peter Allen. Now, does anyone know who Peter Allen is here? Yeah. Only a couple of people. You should Google him. He's a gay icon. Uh, did he... Uh, he, I don't know if he was... He was married to Liza Minnelli. He was Minnelli. married to yeah, Liza Minnelli. Yeah, yeah. And there was a... Hugh Jackman did a show about him called... The Boy From Oz. The Boy From Oz. Yeah, he wrote some absolute bangers. But there is a... Uh, do you know the song, When My Baby... When, when my, my baby, baby smiles at me, I go to Rio de Janeiro. Only the Australian girls, then. Only the Australian girls. <laughs> Only the Australian secretly gay men trapped in women's yeah, yeah, bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you see how we both naturally shimmied? When my baby smiles at me, I go to Rio de Janeiro. I feel like Tarzan of the jungle. You are the sunshine of my life. I'm free at last. What a blast. And then he like does this mad piano solo. Anyway, the short story is he wears a shirt like this. Very helpful to our listeners at home. It's a, I'll, we'll put a picture up. Yeah, honestly, YouTube, when my baby goes to Rio, watching his, him perform mm. is insane. He's extraordinary and moves for days. Um, I, listen, we're all doing it. People are Googling now. I hope not because um, that means they're not looking at me. I love all of what you said. No white sofa. No Why? white sofa. One, I spill food. Two, if I'm a gay man, I assume I will have sex on the couch at some point. Not because I'm gay, but because it's me. At the beginning of a relationship, obviously. I've been with my husband for ten years. There's there's no sex on the couch. It doesn't happen. But I feel like as a rookie gay man, the sex that I'm having may not be... I might, I just am worried about I just a white visit, couch. I'm worried about what, a white couch. I visit gay men and they have white sofas and they're pristine. And I and also, by the way, then some of those same gay men will say, oh, I'm going to see my, my child this weekend. And I'm like, you have a child? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lesbians had my baby. Yeah, I gave yeah. them my sperm. And yeah. I'm like, that sounds like the dream life. I would love lesbians to have my baby. I have a friend... Who is a lesbian. Yeah. Uh, and uh, can you believe that? That's the end of the story. <laughs> and uh, her and her partner have four children. Mistake. And um, uh, sure. they don't think so. Um, I bet they secretly do. They no, just they're, they're absolutely, they're like some of the most incredible parents I have ever met slash known. They're, the father of all of their children is one of their ex-boyfriends who is now gay. So the dad, oh. the dads are gay and the mums are gay and it's just awesome. Um, the, dad, the dads are gay and yeah, the, the mums are gay. Yes. A-R-E. Sounded like you went the dads are gay and the mums are gay and it just sounded a little homophobic. Oh. But you meant A-R-E, not A. Oh, a gay. No, no. no. Just the way you said it. <laughs> Just what he's you said one it. of those, you know. He's a, a gay. Yeah, yeah. He just didn't, he's he just a bit of one of those gays. Should I do another one or do you want to do another one? I feel like we've got another one in us. I've got two more. Oh, go for it. Yeah. 
Um, I'm a feminist but I feel great anger towards women when I ask them if they have deodorant. They say yes, then bring out a roll-on. Oh, yeah, no. I didn't say can we swap BO. No. I said do you have any deodorant? I want antiperspirant. I don't want to touch something that used to be on your body, if that's okay. I see that. Awful. Yeah. Outrageous behaviour. I I hear that. Better for the environment, though. I I, don't care. Make the hole bigger. I I don't want your dirty pits on mine. No, you do care. Oh, my God. We're never going to get Greta Thunberg on as a guest now. Oh, sorry. She's going to hear that. I've ruined Drunken Elephant. I've ruined Greta, Greta Thunberg for you. I mean... Seriously. I've ruined gay men for you. They're never going to come on the podcast. They will. They will. They will. (laughs) If anyone can take a joke um, about a white sofa. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I fear if I lived in the 1960s, instead of full-time fighting for women's rights, arm-in-arm with the sisterhood, it's possible, it's possible... I might be following the Beatles around in a Mary Quant dress and white go-go boots trying to shag Paul McCartney. <laughs> it's possible I might be doing that. I don't think that's antithetical to feminism, no, if I'm honest. No, but it was a very big time for women's rights. They were fighting so we could have credit cards and mortgages without our father's signatures. I should not be out there in go-go boots. If I get sent back in a time machine, I should be out there doing the sisterhood stuff and saving Paul McCartney for Saturday night. I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself with a time machine. Really going to any era. I feel like I get out of the time machine and instead of like, I don't know, killing Hitler, I'd be straight to those gay clubs in Berlin. Yeah. Going, willkommen, bienvenue, welcome. Deborah, you were sent back to kill Hitler. I'm on it. I'm on it. Definitely on it. But I just want to quickly... Can we just wait till they call last drinks? Wait till they call last drinks and then we'll get to Hitler. I just want to be with Sally Bowles in a nightclub first. I definitely will kill Hitler, though. Absolutely. I'm on it. I'm on it. Similarly, do you know what I mean? Like, any time, if I was to go back to Shakespeare's time, instead of sneaking on the stage as a woman, pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman, pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman, and breaking boundaries, it's possible, you know... You'd be in one of those big dresses with someone underneath. I definitely want to try a corset. Yeah, is that what they call them? <laughs> no, I just think I would probably be a bit like, oh, can I get into Queen Elizabeth I's court? And yeah, oh, can I? I love. Can the... I? Do... I just want to flirt with Shakespeare. I don't have to shag him. Like he's married. Man. You don't have to, but you could. I love that your concern in time travel mm. is that you're going to be a slut. <laughs> Instead of saving the world. You don't have to choose, Deborah. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm very sex positive. I'm very sex positive. I'm all up for ethical slushery. I'm just saying I just might get distracted from the target of the... Do you know what I'm saying? Anyway, you do The target of... (laughs) Yeah, killing Hitler or whatever. I'm meant to be doing... That's why I'm in... They've not sent me back at the time machine, so I can have a great time in the Kit Kat Club. Phew! Phew! Do you know anyone with a time machine? Get on with it. Okay. No, (laughs) and so therefore let's do more. Okay. I'm a feminist but when I tried these trousers on initially, um, I had a stylist and uh, she went, oh, they're too big for you. We'll have to take them in. I'm like, oh, no, how embarrassing. And uh, (laughs) like, oh, God, am I too skinny? Oh, no, stop it. (laughs) Karmically... 
because of my fat phobia, what happened is she took them in and she took them in a little bit too much. So now I'm always on the cusp of a camel toe, always (laughs) so close. And it just reminds me to not ever be happy about losing weight, that every weight is the right weight. But every time I walk, I'm like, oh, nearly, oh, nearly, no, not yet, oh. Nearly. I can't drink too much water because it pushes the front out and brings the bottom up. Do you know, I discovered last... During the pandemic, actually, I discovered the joy of the low crotch. I didn't know about low crotches, but there are drop crotches that are absolutely incredible and then they don't do any of that action. You're really leaning into your bisexuality, aren't you? With a drop crotch. With a comfortable trouser. Absolutely, mate. I feel like... I feel like... uh, That's not an insult. That's that's bye to bye. Listen, I'm bisexual and I enjoy a drop crotch. Come, come at me, haters. You, do you want to do your last one? I just did it. Oh, you did it? Yeah. Um, you know, that's why we were talking about crotches. I, you, you need a time machine, mate. Live from Soho Theatre in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Brussels White, guest co host Felicity Ward, and our very special guest, Zoe Brownstone and Priya Hall. Talking about our feminist origin stories. Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminist. First week of the year, baby, here we are, smashing the patriarchy. It's not even mid-January, not like all those lackluster feminists that are still scrabbling around at the celebrations going, oh, next week (laughs) you are out on a fucking Saturday night to do some serious serious feminism (laughs) Saturday night baby other people are down at the comedy store listening to feminism free comedy (laughs) just yuck 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 it up down there guys you don't care about the world not like us we're just better than others (laughs) it's really nice to come together and be right in a basement isn't it reassuring each other how right we are. Oh, it's lovely being right. Just give us a cheer if you're right. Come on. Not wing, just to be clear. Not right wing. I only realised after I did that, this is all ad-libbed, that's what you need to know. After I did that, I thought that could sound wrong if anyone was listening in the hall. So I was like, oh, they've got a rally going on in there. Right, right, right. Um, No, we are obviously right. I mean, everyone thinks they're right, but we are. That's the thing. All of those awful men that do podcasts about, I don't know, what do they do podcasts about? Hating women and how you can't say anything anymore and how difficult life is and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you can't say anything anymore, but that's okay. I I actually can say things now. I, I just, if I say something that I think I don't want on the internet, I just tell Tom to cut it out. That's the thing. So you may hear things in this Guilty Feminist here tonight that you wouldn't hear at home specifically because they're libelous. <laughs> or just like on the line where I'm going to get, get some emails about that. I don't want the emails. Better cut it out. So there's, we've got a no email rule. Like in the room, if I say something, you can email me about it, but it'd be nice if you waited to see if it came out on the podcast first. Because <laughs> then you'll be like, sometimes you'll be like, ah, oh, she figured it out for herself. That wasn't, that wasn't cool. I wasn't cool because it's all pretty much ad-libbed. Okay, so, you know, we don't, we don't have a team of writers like they do on a television show. Unless you'd like to volunteer. Uh, <laughs> the front row there. 
Um, so first of all, who listens to the Guilty Feminist? Yeah. Give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Yeah. You don't know what you're at? I do not want to impose gender on you. Are you a man? Is it okay? You are? Yes, yes, yes you are. Um, have you been brought by a woman? <laughs> and you, she sat you in the front row? I know. <laughs> she feels you have something to learn, sir. <laughs> She's brought you here for education. She told you it was comedy. She's like, Saturday night, Saturday night. What's your name, sir? Richard. She said, Richard, Saturday night. You like comedy, I like comedy. We like a laugh. Do we need a laugh, Richard? Oh, we need a laugh, Richard. We need to laugh. So theatre, you know so theatre. We've seen comedy there before, Richard. We saw that nice Russell Howard there. You enjoyed that. You enjoyed that, didn't you? You enjoyed that. That was for you. We Remember we sat in the front row and that was really fun. Yeah. Shall we do that again? And Richard's fallen for it. Doesn't know what he's at, does he? Doesn't know what he's at. Um, so you're at a comedy podcast, Richard. Relax. But it's sometimes about people like you. <laughs> Richard, that's just the truth of the matter. Um, I wouldn't normally do it like this, Richard, because often we do shows at King's Place and there's a sort of sense of, you know, it's a bit of an art centre, so I do more of an art centre opening. But this is a comedy club, Richard. I'm, <laughs> I'm duty-bound as a comedian to give you a very difficult time tonight. Now, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. You seem lovely, you seem lovely, Richard. Would you call yourself a feminist, Richard? Very eager, wasn't that very eager. Don't applaud. The bar is so low for men. He said he was a feminist in a vulnerable situation where it would have severely cost him to say he wasn't. Give him a round of applause. You, were, you behaved like he picked up his own baby. Yo! What a wonderful father. Uh, would you say you're a feminist if you were not in this environment, Richard? I really would. You really would? Is he a good one? He's getting better. <laughs> but, uh, yes. I don't want to call you Richard's wife because that's a, it's a feminist show. And I'm sure it's not how you identify. I don't even know if you're married. I don't know anything about you. No, no. no. Okay, sorry. Don't mean to pry. Uh, that's too much. I just sort of was... Yeah, I just meant, because Richard's wife's the funniest thing to say that's not feminist. That's why I said it. I didn't, I, as I was saying it, I was like, I don't think they're married. I don't get that vibe. Um, what's your name? Barbara. Barbara Richard and Barbara. Um, <laughs> it's like there was an affair on The Good Life and two of them are after together. I can't believe some people got that joke. I went, I'm going to do this joke in case two people remember The Good Life. And in one side, there was Richard and Barbara. No, on one side, there was Tom and Barbara. On the other side, there was Richard and Margot. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's more people know 1970 sitcoms that I gave credit for. That's, this is a delightful audience in every conceivable way. Um, so listen, if you don't listen to The Guilty Feminist, you'll catch on. Um, but it's, you know, it's a feminist space. But look, so, okay, so just to start us off, what we're going to do tonight, we've got three comedians tonight on the bill, as well as me. Um, and uh, so we're going to have a lot of stand-up comedy tonight. But we're also going to talk about our origin stories as to what, how we became feminists. We're going to talk about how we became feminists. Does anyone in the audience have an origin story of how they became feminist? Does anyone remember, like, something from your childhood? I've never asked this question before. I just said I'll try it. Something from your childhood or something where you went, this is not right? Has anyone got anything? 
I thought, God, I thought Richard was going to go like this. Because <laughs> they do have confidence, don't they? Yes. What's your name? Uh, Ursula. It was when I was, like, seven and my primary school teacher asked for strong boys to carry chairs into the assembly room. <laughs> and you said, I'm a strong boy. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Did you? Did you complain? I just carried all the chairs. Did you? You carried all the chairs to demonstrate. You Lisa Simpson, you. <laughs> So impressive. And that was the moment where you went, fuck this. But yeah, my mum helped. Because you couldn't really carry the chairs because you're a girl. Yeah, no, I see. No, I get it. I get it. Um, listen, sometimes we speak and then we act and then we go, mm, he was right. But, but we don't let them know that and that's what's important. I've sustained an injury before demonstrating how feminist I am. But I limped away with a smile on my face and they never fucking knew. And that's what's important about feminism. Anyone else got anything they want to tell us? Yes? Um, in what's the your n- name? Kirsten. Kirsten, great. In, in the nativity play, yes. I was cast as the innkeeper's wife. Right. And I got no fucking lines. <gasps> <gasps> I just had to stand there and agree with my husband, the innkeeper. That there was no rooms? Yeah. Were you tempted... <laughs> To go, actually, I've made a spare bed up in the other room. He's useless at innkeeping, you know. He turns all the customers away. He can't be, can't be asked with it. But the reality is, he's a dysfunctional alcoholic. And just wrote a little East Ender scene for yourself there. Well, I was five. No. That's no excuse for no feminism. What did you? But you just felt the burning injustice, did you? I was fucking livid. And was <laughs> and did you find out he was being paid more? Uh, he got he got a lot more credit. He lo- got more lo- lot more yeah, credit. It was unacceptable. Like, yeah, yeah. I, excellent. So no, and say no to the innkeeper's wife role and say, excuse me, why can't a woman be an innkeeper? Have you never been to an inn? <laughs> Quite. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish you would have dressed like a really winchy in, in wet sort of. You know, I, here I am at my. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have stopped I know, me. But there's five year old winter costumes, aren't there? I don't have children. Maybe it's not appropriate. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kirsten. <laughs> Has anyone got another origin story? Yeah. Anyone? Yes? I was the only girl at the after school science club, the rest were all boys. And did that make you go, hmm, why have more girls not applied? Or yeah. did you just feel. So did you then re- go on a recruitment drive to get more girls to join? Yeah, I did try. Um, did you? Yeah, And definitely. they weren't interested because girls don't like science? Well, I don't think that's true because I then did a science career, so, yeah. Amazing. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Obviously, girls, <laughs> I, did, I didn't... I said that so straight <laughs> that people thought, I think I've misjudged her, bro. <laughs> she's got a real blind spot. No, I like a lot of what she says, but she's got a blind spot for women in STEM. <laughs> she genuinely... She genuinely doesn't think they're cut out for it. Um, I'm thrilled in that. And what did you become? I work in forensic science now. Forensic science. So you're like Quincy, to use another dated television reference. Quincy MD. Do you know Quincy MD? It's like an American television show. If you haven't seen it, young people, there will be repeat. Because we used to watch all these things on repeat because we didn't have Netflix, right? So we just had to put on the TV whatever was on. We had to watch that. And so we, we watched all sorts of stuff and we broadened our tastes. You, Jen Z, you're going down a hole of your own making. 
And listen, some of it's good and some of it means you're going to miss out on the good life. Now, and you're not going to know who Quincy is. Uh, so you're in forensics. Yeah. Wow. So do you help solve crimes? Uh, in, in theory, I hope so. <laughs> if I do my job properly, I do. Okay, can I, can I ask you that again, but can you pretend you're a man? Yeah. <laughs> so do you help solve crimes? Uh, of course I do. Yes! <laughs> That's the spirit of the after-school science club. Um, and finally, Richard, you said you were a feminist. Do you have an origin story? It's, 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 it's a simple question if you really are a feminist you'll remember when you decided that was a good thing remember right now you're a white man yeah just take that confidence <laughs> and marshal it into the microphone you've crushed it a little bit <laughs> that's my specialty sir. <laughs> I've seen you on fields <laughs> Rich have you got anxiety for Richard he's fine He's rich, he's white, he's male. He sat in the front row, and when I said, has anyone not been here before? He could have just said nothing, right? He could have, but he didn't, he went, yeah, me. And drew attention to himself. And I, you know what I always say, if I went to a men's rights activist conference just to see what they were talking about, I would not sit in the front row, and I would not shout out, no matter what the question was. Even if the question was, is anyone here called Deborah Francis White? I'd just be like... Just no, no. Um, so Richard's fine. You do not need to worry about Richard. Richard could buy and sell us all, for sure. And I know that because when I said, what do you do? He was like, oh, no, no, no. I don't have any money right now. And that's definitely what rich people do. No, he's absolutely fine. Are you fine, Richard? Are you? Are you? Just can you just, can we just? No, no. I'm sorry, Richard. It's just Saturday night. It's out of my control. <laughs> Look, I promise I won't speak to you again for the whole of... I can't promise what the other comedians will do because they will be listening. When you come up, can you just be nice? If you're going to talk to Richard, gang, can you just be nice? If only... What's your name? If only for Katie's anxiety levels. She's got... Has anybody else got external anxiety for Richard? Just, just give us a cheer if you have. That's the empathy of women! Do you think if one woman was being like having some banter with a comedian at the comedy store, all the men in the audience would be going, no, leave her alone. They would be doubled over crying with laughter at the prurient questions. Imagine Russell Brand being like, all right, love, all right, love. What would the men be doing? They'd be like, yeah, I'd do that if I could, Russell Brand. But we have been socially conditioned to over-empathise with people who look like Richard. So will you please just breathe out that empathy? Breathe in social justice, breathe out empathy. He's fine. He's so fine. He's so fine. He wouldn't have sat in the front row if he didn't want this. Now, what was he wearing? That's what you have to ask. Now... show yeah. then please welcome my co-pilot for this evening it's the incredible felicity ward yeah. you sit in the middle sit in the middle felicity ward. middle because i deserve it 
Oh, Felicity um, Ward, it's so wonderful to see you. We haven't done nearly enough Guilty Feminists together for so long. I know. Hey, can I tell you why I'm wearing gloves? Because I was going to... I'd gonna like put... you to, because you weren't wearing them backstage and it's really look, it looks like you're going to murder me. It's, that's what my husband says every time I put them on, literally. Yeah, I see why. You know, just a little leather glove. Yeah. Anyway, I, um, I went to put my hair up uh, before I came out and I put my hand in the pocket of my coat and my el- hair elastic wasn't there, but I went, oh, a glove, and then I went... Oh, yeah, I could wear those. Um, Side note, I did lose the letter from my doctor to get a referral to get tested for ADHD. (laughs) I get distracted. You've definitely got to let me diagnose you as a fellow ADHDer. But can I just ask forensics, is this a sign that she's murdered someone? (laughs) In your experience. I mean, they are red gloves, so... So? (laughs) What you're suggesting will cover the blood? Is it? No. Even with, like, not blood? Even with just, like, clothing, it's just not a good sign? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Well, what the fuck are you saying then? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm so sorry. What, what was, what's your name? Your name is not Forensics. It is Forensics, actually. It's That's a French it. name. <laughs> My name's Amber. 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 Oh, good name. Thank you. You uh, should have your... your own TV show, Amber Forensics. It's like Amber... Is that the best name you could come up with? <laughs> I don't, no, 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 I've got it. Amber Forensics. I've done it. No, no. Wait, it should up. be... This is what it should be. The show should be called Green Amber Red. Ooh. Hashtag uh, traffic line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know how excited I am to be out of the house? Um, and everyone always says, like, that's like a standard comedy joke. They're like, because I just came from so-and-so, so I'm just happy to be anywhere. I've been living with my fucking in-laws for a year. Oh. So I am so happy to be here because December was hard. So hard. This is, the, this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities, which... And I'm um, Thank you very much. I'm Deborah Francis-White. With me is Felicity Ward. And with our incredible guests, we are going to be talking about our feminist origin stories. Ooh. I'm very excited. Are you ready for some stand-up comedy? Let's please welcome to the stage the incredible Felicity Ward. Oh. I went to cheer then and then I thought, no, I might piss myself. So I didn't clap myself on. Um, no pun intended. Doesn't matter. Shut up. Anyway, I, let's get this out of the way. I look like a vegetarian. Um, I always have, always look like a vegetarian, never been one. I absolutely could be a vegetarian if I didn't eat meat, but... Unfortunately, I do eat meat. We have a lot in common. Uh, They love animals and I also love animals. But I also love animals. I know there's probably lots of vegetarians and vegans and I'm just realising this is the wrong crowd to do this (laughs) material. But we are in too deep now. I will say I did this material in Brighton and someone yelled out, Boo! And I panicked and I said, Did you say moo or boo? Did you... Here's, because I do, like I genuinely love animals from the bottom of my heart. But sometimes I see a little lamb bounding in the meadow and I'm like, oh, look, look how cute he is. And I'll run over and I'll give a little cuddle and I'll put my face in him. And then 
little bit of mint sauce, 180 degrees, <laughs> slow cook two hours. <laughs> Obviously, that's a joke. <laughs> you put the mint sauce afterwards, not before. <laughs> it's a condiment, not a marinade. <laughs> like we all know that. I, I've tried to cut back the amount of meat that I've eaten. I've made a conscious a choice. I also watched uh, Sea Spiracy and so I have not had any fish or anything from the ocean for about six months. Side note, why was that called Sea Spiracy and not Conspiracy, S-E-A? <laughs> you fucking idiots. It's just sitting there. Anyway, I... Why don't you just call it C-C-C-C? Duh. <laughs> I have tried to cut back and my, my, my fella and I did this together. We were like, let's see if we can introduce some non-meat stuff into our, uh, some, like some substitutes into our diet. And so he tried something called corn. Have you, have you heard of corn? Corn? That's what it's called. Corn. Corn. That's the name they settled on. Corn? <laughs> Someone pitched the idea like any names. Someone went, corn? And the room of people went, say that again? And they went, corn. Corn? Yeah, corn. Oh, let's take that to the boss. That's pretty good, actually. And they take it to the boss. They're like, all right, I've got a new product. It's going to do this, this, this. It's going to come down. What's it called? It's called corn. Corn? Corn. 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 You seeing how much my jaw has to move? Corn? Corn. Corn. Corn, look at the neck stress. Corn, corn. I look like a mother bird feeding its baby. Corn, 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 corn. It loses meaning after a while. Corn, corn. It sounds so desperate. Corn, 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 like it got separated from its parents in a war. Corn, corn. It's in the dark. Corn, are we still to get corn? Corn. If you went to a friend's house and they're like, what's for dinner? Well, I'd like to offer you some corn. Corn? You're like, are you okay? No. Corn? 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 It's a question. Corn? 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 If corn is the question, the answer is no. Corn is... It is a terrible meat substitute. It is, uh, it's like a sad mince, um, but it's very versatile. You can put it in anything. Pop it in, pop it in a bolognese. Stick it in the bin. It goes anywhere <laughs> at all. And honestly, we now, we just always have a pack in the fridge. Same packet since 2012. <laughs> it's lasts. It's durable. And that's because it's made of breadcrumbs and sand. <laughs> And I actually, I truly respect vegans and vegetarians because the awful shit you eat so that we can live on this planet for another five years is truly extraordinary. I have so much respect for you. I cannot believe you're doing it all the time, all the time. You're like, yes, I'll have this corn, 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 corn. How do you buy that in the shops with a partner and go, do you want some of this? What is it? Corn, corn. You're eating corn, you're eating nut loaf, formidable name. Nut loaf. Would you like some of my nut loaf? My nut loaf. I don't want to put your nut loaf in my mouth. I don't want to be rude, but I don't want it. You're eating corn, you're eating nut loaf. 
You're eating fennel. Fennel can go fuck itself. <laughs> fennel. I get it. You're an apple. You're an onion. You're both. I don't care. Two N's, two L's. What are you trying to prove? Get over yourself. Hate fennel. You're eating kale. Kale is bad. Kale is very bad. I don't have a lot of jokes about that, but I do need to spread the word because it's too popular and I don't know why. I don't know who is doing the marketing for kale, but come and do my next show, please. Because I've tried kale in lots of ways. And Annette, you saw that one? Did you see that? Just dressing to one side, aren't I? I'm not afraid. Kale, anyone who says, if you tell anyone that eats kale that kale is bad, they go, no, no, all you've got to do is you stick it in a pan, you whack in some olive oil, you whack in some uh, paprika, then you mix it up with uh, peanut butter, you make a satay sauce, then you just put in loads of like non-dairy butter and then you like add something completely different that changes the flavour of it and then you put in like loads of water and then you cut it up so you don't get the texture at all. Kale is bad. If you need to put that much extra stuff on it. It's not good. It's unsalvageable. Let it die. (laughs) Now, I put this on the internet and someone was very, very adamant that they had a recipe that would change my mind. So I went, okay, what is it? Now, to be fair, I did try it. What you do is you take a bag of kale, you put it on an oven tray, loads of olive oil, salt, pepper, then you put smoked paprika on it, you stick it in for 10 minutes, I think, like 180 degrees, they come out, they're like little chips, happy to report, still disgusting. Do not (laughs) eat kale. I will leave you on this. I, I, what I do like is that most restaurants now have uh, vegan options, they have vegetarian options, they have gluten-free options. It's very inclusive, very, you know, one love. And that's wonderful. I think it's really important that vegans and vegetarians should be able to eat everywhere. You're saving us. I appreciate it personally. At the same time, when I go to a vegetarian or vegan restaurant... I am not extended the same courtesy. I'm like, can I have the mushroom soup? But instead of mushroom, may I please have a small suckling pig? (laughs) Never received well. That joke does not have a strong enough punchline for me to end the bit with, but I forgot that until I just did it. So I will leave it there. Thank you. Felicity Ward, everybody. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Jessica Regan here, delighted to tell you that Big Speeches returns with a host of workshops for spring 2023. Our communications workshop, Big Speeches, will take place online on the last Sunday of each month, March through to May inclusive. So that's March 26th, April 30th and May 28th, 
all at 3pm Greenwich Mean Time and all online. Go to guiltyfeminist.com forward slash big speeches to secure your place. We can't wait to see you to help you take space, find your voice and get the most out of the year ahead. Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. Just briefly interrupting to let you know that we have a big Guilty Feminist live show for International Women's Day at Leicester Square Theatre in London on the 4th of March. Get your tickets now. It's going to be a spectacular one. We'll be in King's Place in London on the 17th of March. Get your tickets now. We've been having some fabulous times recently back out at live shows. We miss you. Come back out. Get tickets soon, though, because a lot of them are selling out. And please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Even if you've rated and reviewed it before, it really helps other people find it. You can rate, review and subscribe every episode if you want to. Please give us five stars and tell people about the podcast online or with your face. You can also join our Patreon to get ad-free episodes. And now back to the podcast. Our first guest today is a Canadian comedian and writer who spent several years in Amsterdam before moving to the UK. Her new album, Dearly Deported, is out now. Please welcome to the stage and welcome to the stand-up mic, the incredible Zoe Brownstone. Oh, hi. How are you? Hi. Oh, this is wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. This is great. I just moved to London. I just got my visa. I'm here. It's exciting. Awesome time to move to the UK. (laughs) Yes, my Canadian dollar means something here now. (laughs) You have a new prime minister. It's huge. Very exciting to have him. (laughs) You guys don't agree with me. I think it's historic. Honestly, I do. I really think it's historic. It's the UK's first ever fully fuckable prime minister. I think that's a big deal. (laughs) Those big years (laughs) and all that gorgeous money, yes. (laughs) Like him, like him a lot. (laughs) I am from Canada. I love being here. It's so fun. When I meet a British person, I have to immediately tell them that I'm from Canada. (laughs) First thing out of the gate. Otherwise, they hear my accent and they assume that I might be a racist. So I have to (laughs) be careful. I'm very proudly Canadian, but I haven't lived there in a long time. I actually, I moved to the Netherlands, like Deborah said, three years ago uh, to be with my Dutch boyfriend. Uh, Anybody else fucking stupid? (laughs) Nope, just me. All right, that's fine. Are there any Dutch people in tonight? Great. We can all agree that they're trash, right? That's that's a trash country. They're outrageously beautiful, outrageously gorgeous, unreasonably tall. (laughs) Like, you're so tall, how come you didn't see the Germans coming? You know what I'm saying? It's... I had a hard time. I had a hard time in the Netherlands. They bullied me. The Dutch bullied me. They had a nickname for me. They used to call me Hipster Anne Frank. I am a Jew. I can tell that joke. Don't worry. I was chosen to tell that joke. I'm a Jew. I'm a Jewy, Jewy gumdrop. Any Jews in this basement tonight? Uh, get him! We found them! No, sorry, that's, that's not... It's that's not a good time for that joke. <laughs> I love being Jewish. Super fun. It was very fun to be Jewish in the Netherlands. That was a treat uh, because they don't have a lot of Jews there. I wonder why. And, um... <laughs> and it's fun because, like, I talk about being Jewish on my set and sometimes people have questions. Uh, the number one question I get asked is, Zoe, you're Jewish, but are you fully Jewish? That's a weird question. <laughs> I don't know what the right answer to that question is. Also, you would never ask a Catholic person that question, right? 
right? Because everybody knows you can't be half a pedophile. So that's... <laughs> it's a math joke. I don't... <laughs> I, uh, I got the nickname Hipster Anne Frank because just like Anne, the Dutch government was trying to deport me from that country. <laughs> Not because I'm Jewish, um, but because I wasn't paying my taxes. <laughs> because I'm Jewish. So that's... <laughs> And it worked. They did deport me. They kicked me out last year. They kicked me out. And, and it was, it was, it was, at the time, it was really scary. Uh, but I got to come here, so it's awesome. I love London. I'm having the time of my life. Uh, there's just one tiny, little, tiny, little, tiny thing. Uh, I am Canadian, and I have been living in the Netherlands, um, so I'm not entirely comfortable with your drug laws. Uh, <laughs> because I do occasionally smoke weed every day. Uh, <laughs> and it's not legal here, which is adorable. That's so cute. <laughs> You guys smoke weed? We smoke weed in here? That's one shy person. That's fine. That makes sense. I smoke weed. I do it for the health benefits mostly. I think it's healthy to once in a while get extremely paranoid. And then just try to figure out how to masturbate. Anybody else? Play that puzzle? I'll save you some time. It is impossible. It can't be done. Um, done a lot of research. Can't be done, because here's the thing, you can't have an orgasm if you're worried that your ancestors are listening. Okay, that's... It's <laughs> distracting. That's tough. These days I like to smoke weed and just have a thought. I like to have a big thinky thought. Thinky thought, right? Just like I, I put my phone away, I try to think about like big questions of the universe you know, that we don't have answers for. You know, like, why doesn't Dyson make sex toys? <laughs> right? We know about Dyson, we've heard of Dyson, we know about Dyson, right? World's strongest vacuum, we know about Dyson. You're telling me you've never walked up to one of those hand dryers at the movie theater, you know this guy, that, that guy right there, and thought like, oh, what? I wonder if I can fit my entire body inside of this. You can't, I've tried. <laughs> thinking about this the other day. Uh, do you have to pee after sex if you pee during sex? I don't know. <laughs> Is there a doctor in here? I don't know. I need to find out. Uh, <laughs> are you a doctor? No. Okay. Are you sure? Because she thinks you're a doctor. That's a doctor, right? Oh my, you would know. She's not answering because she likes to pee during sex. That's fine. That's fine. I, that's you. No, no kink shaming. And after. Healthy. Got it. We have our answer. Thank you. This is actually another medical question I've been thinking about recently. <laughs> While I have you. Is it unhealthy to suck in your stomach for longer than 15 years? I don't know. Is that bad? Is that bad for you? <laughs> I've been thinking about body stuff recently, honestly. I'm, I'm trying to get a hold on, on, on all of it. I, I recently turned 32 years ago, and I just want to, like... <laughs> I just want to figure it out, you know? Like, I, I'm seeing a therapist. Horrible idea. Don't do that. <laughs> Learning things about myself I didn't need to know. I didn't, I, I didn't need to know this. I found out recently I have an eating disorder. I didn't know this. The clinical diagnosis... It's very common. The clinical diagnosis for it is female... Yeah, that's it. That's the, that's the end of the diagnosis. That's the whole thing. I've been Zoe Brownstone. Thank you so much. Zoe Brownstone, everybody. Come take a seat. Um, 
Our next and final guest tonight is a stand-up comedian and writer who featured on Stand Up for Live Comedy on BBC One, Live from Aberystwyth Pier on BBC One Wales, and many more. She's also written and starred in a BBC Two Wales pilot called Bina and Amrit, and she was a semi-finalist in the BBC New Comedy Awards 2021. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Priya Hall. Oh, hello. Hello. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Um, Happy New Year. Year. Are we all excited about 2023? Yes, by 2022. By the devil we know. (laughs) 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 Hello, the fear of the uncertain. (laughs) Um, 2022 was a big year for me. Um, 2022 is the year that I started seeing a tiny little five foot one lesbian. (laughs) Now, when I say seeing, I mean dating, not like hallucinating. (laughs) she is real (laughs) I have checked Uh, she's not a ghost Uh, but if I did have to describe her as a ghost I'd describe her as a reverse poltergeist because everywhere I go in my flat she's doing DIY (laughs) it's fantastic (laughs) me and my girlfriend went on a date recently Uh, we went uh, pottery painting in Brighton because some stereotypes are true (laughs) Um, I like Brighton a lot Um, I I like how liberal it is I really do Um, I don't love how many crystal shops there are being run by white women with dreadlocks <laughs> I don't li- like it's nice to be able to hold hands in public but like at what cost <laughs> that's the question I'd ask <laughs> I like going out with a woman it's fun it's weird though I've known for a really long time that I'm queer but I'm also very lazy so I never bothered to tell anyone <laughs> And then when I started going out with my girlfriend, I had to come out to a lot of people in a really short space of time. I was like, well, I need to do this. I had to do drive-by coming out. <laughs> because I was like, well, I can't just show up everywhere with this tiny little lesbian with no explanation. I can't just walk into a room and be like, don't look at her, she doesn't like it. <laughs> like, I need an explanation. I did drive-by coming out. So I had to come out to a lot of people in a really short space of time. Um, I came out to my nana... That was pretty exciting. And my nana is very, very cool. She's 87 years old. She has a criminal record and a new hip. <laughs> She's cool. But she is still an 87-year-old woman from the South Wales Valleys. Um, and I had to come out to her and I was really nervous to do it because I just didn't know how it was going to go. Um, and it went okay. It went better than I expected. Um, one thing she did say, though, was that she uh, was worried uh, that without a man in the picture, I would have no one to look after me. Which does beg the question. <laughs> if you were ever looking for someone to look after you, would it ever be a man? <laughs> no one's going to provide for you better than a lesbian with toxic masculinity. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> my, nan's, my nan's okay with it now because she's met my girlfriend. And she met my girlfriend in the summer. I took her around and it was a lovely sunny day. And the sun was shining and my nan was looking out in her garden. And she was like, oh, it's lovely and sunny. And my lawn needs mowing but none of my lovely grandsons are here to do it for me. And my girlfriend's eyes lit up. <laughs> and she went, oh, Sheila, I can mow your lawn for you. <laughs> and my nan looked at her as though she had three heads. <laughs> she was so confused. And what that means for me is that I got the privilege, nay, the honour, <laughs> of watching my 87-year-old grandmother watching a tiny little lesbian mow her lawn. <laughs> and it was the best thing I've ever seen before in my life. <laughs> It was like, um, you know those videos where orangutans see close-up magic for the first time? (laughs) I didn't know they could do that. Yeah, they can. (laughs) 
Long story short, she's looking for one of her own, if anyone's interested. <laughs> she's cool. <laughs> it's weird. I'm, I'm half Welsh and I'm half Indian. Um, and a lot of my friends, when I came out, were like sort of bamboozled. They were like, your Indian family are quite traditional. What, what do they think about you being queer? And the answer is that they're okay with it because they don't know. <laughs> they can't reject you if you never give them the chance, handy to <laughs> But Bria, this is an incredibly popular podcast. <laughs> Aren't you worried they'll hear it? Uh, I said I was closeted. I didn't say I was good at it, okay? <laughs> also, if I, if I know my Indian grandparents, it's unlikely they listen to Gibbsy Brothers. <laughs> no, I'll be honest with you. You guys have been uh, lovely. I'm going to go sit there now. Uh, I've been Priya Hall. Bye. <laughs> So wonderful to have you on the show. Zoe and Priya, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We thought we'd talk about our origin stories tonight for feminism. Um, Zoe, do you remember your origin story for feminism? Well, I was raised in a feminist zoo, so... (laughs) You have a real glorious Steinem vibe, actually. Yeah, I come from a massive family of feminists, men, women... Uh, yeah, I'm very, very lucky. My mom was a f- literal feminist icon. I don't know what to say. So it was I, an icon. Yeah, yeah. She was a fashion designer um, for many years, and then she started single-handedly started Toronto Fashion Week. So she's like oh. a real, she's a real powerhouse. Big shoes to fill that I will never fill. Um, <laughs> she's just constantly outdoing me. So fuck, fuck nice. her. <laughs> <laughs> nice to have that hanging over you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super fun. So yeah. are you a nepo baby? I'm like a like a low, super low key nepo baby. My dad was also like in a rock and roll band for many years. Oh. What? But it's I like I'm like a Canadian nepo baby, so no one's heard of any of these people. <laughs> right, right. So it doesn't actually help you. No, right. not at all. Okay. No, no, no. So not it's at annoying because you get the nepo baby label, but in fact, it means it none of the yeah. benefits. Presumably in Canada, though. Do people know who your dad is? Absolutely not. Okay. They no. <laughs> right. know the bands that he's toured with. Like, you might know. I mean, do, do you guys know? Do y'all, y'all know Life is a Highway, Tom Cochran? Yeah. Fuck, I know That's Life a is a Highway. That's a banger. My dad went on tour with Tom Cochran. I got to go on tour oh, with, with the band when I was like... 10 years old. <gasps> that's presumably your feminism origin story. Yeah, that's Jesus definitely Christ. a part of it. I was you like, You are almost famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> like non sexual. Yes. <laughs> I was oh 10. My God. Non sexual. Yeah, I was, I was we, and it was, it was amazing. It was, was like, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, Did you see things, though, in the rock and roll space and in the fashion space growing up that made you go, Ooh, Lord? Because both of those spaces are quite. I don't know, neither of them... Unregulated? Yeah, and also neither of them them scream feminism, do they? they don't even whisper it. (laughs) Fashion can be, let's be quite honest, very exclusionary. And it's, it's, there's there's been some headway recently, but I feel it's reluctant headway. It's like, oh, well, if we don't make bigger sizes, we're going to have to close the shop. So, yeah, I guess we have to. I've given reluctant headway headway before. Can I say that again just for the edit? The, <laughs> edit in the, the laughs, but... <laughs> what, you, I, you feel I, like you fluffed it? Yeah, no, cut. I did fluff it. I've done that hey. before. <laughs> I've given reluctant I headway was, before. I'm sorry, I talked over it. <laughs> I, I was the fluffer for your reluctant headway. <laughs> I said fluffer, we don't need you anymore. Sorry. The director's on. called action. Let's do a Quilleen take. Three, two, one. I've given reluctant headway before. <laughs> 
funny. Beautiful. A great second fake laugh. laugh. What a beautiful Thank second you. laugh. I think they were more laughing at the fact that we were repeating it. <laughs> yes, we thought. Um, so, yeah, were there times in both of those industries where you were like... Oh, oh absolutely, yeah. I mean, also, keep in mind, uh, this is, like, the early 2000s. We were miles away from, like, plus-size models, different-looking bodies, different abled bodies. Like, we were very much still in the Kate Moss world of fashion. We were in deep heroin chic. Oh, absolutely. And, like, Ooh. my, you know... A bad time for me, if I'm honest. A I bad think time for women. women. No, no, no. I would say I saw Kate Moss on a poster on the way here, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's back. I, yeah. <laughs> They're saying it's back, but it'll never be back in the way it was. No. What I'm saying is I am the real victim of hair and chic. Um, <laughs> because a woman of hip and thigh, yeah. you know, at that era... There was no was, room for us. There was no room. And there our thick eyebrows. No yeah, no, it's, it was not a good time. 2007 to... Uh, so 1997 to 2007 the single worst decade of fashion in history. This, yeah. and this, in yeah. history. This is, and this Hard is what I'm like, Thank front you. row. That's what we get a round of applause <laughs> for. <laughs> <and you'll see laughs> feminist round of applause. Actually, yeah. Actually. Did you, I mean, you haven't gone into fashion or rock and roll, no. I noticed. <laughs> you have gone into comedy, which is sort of worse than either of those. Yeah. And why would you do that? Uh, so, yeah, I definitely knew there was no... Literal, literally no room for me in, in fashion and it didn't appeal to me and, but but the thing with comedy is that like uh, you know it's not necessarily a visual medium and I, I don't mean that to say like don't look at me but it's just like it's really about what's up mm. here and what comes out of here and that's sounded sexual but it didn't mean to be <laughs> no, I know what you mean you know what there's I mean there's a lot of offbeat people in comedy I mean obviously I really believe in inner beauty for others but I yeah. when it comes Same. to me of course, I'm critical like anyone else, but I can genuinely see beauty in every single person I meet. Yeah. And I try and do that in the mirror. I try and go, how would you look at yeah. yourself with generous eyes? But all I ever really manage to do is go, how do you think you look to someone else objectively? Like, I try and imagine how I would look to a four-year-old child. Like, do they think I'm an old person? Do you know what I mean? How do I look to... I'm not going to answer that if that's what you're asking. <laughs> Just generally, you know, anyway, look, stop, let's stop talking about me. I don't spend hours thinking about this by any means. Yeah, occasionally good. it passes through my yeah, mind. Yeah. Priya, hello. do you have an origin story? Um, I suppose I do. Like um, Zoe, I've, I grew up in a very feminist household. I uh, grew up with a single mother. Um, all of the men in my life were either absent or quiet. Um <laughs> I really What's did not. That like? uh, it was amazing. <laughs> it was great. I really didn't encounter men until I was an adult, and then I was like, "Oh God!" I mean, they were in school, but like, oh, we really ran the roost, so <laughs> we didn't let them talk. Um, and then I got to uni and uh, started watching YouTube videos about the Bechdel test, and then I was unstoppable, just really insufferable. Um, amazing. And that's been that was my origin story. So as a child. You're saying that you were what you were surrounded by women. Surrounded by women, loud women, quiet men. Mm. Ideal. <sighs> Absolutely. Go to Wales. <laughs> Interesting. Did you ever have a situation at school where you saw an injustice and you stood up for it or you felt the pain of it? Like we had an amazing audience member who told a story about how she was cast as the innkeeper's wife in the nativity and she had no lines and she felt basically the same feeling that you know, the, that, um, uh, what's her name in The Crown? No, no, don't look at me for that. <laughs> crown. So who's Are the you trying to say the, the Crown? If you said Ozark, I could answer you, no, but The Crown the, is... Who's the... Claire Foy. Okay, Claire let Foy. me take that again. Re <laughs> reluctant the, the, headway. She felt the same... She felt the, 
She felt the same pain that Claire Foy felt when she found out that Matt Smith made more than her in The Crown. Like, so did you have a moment where you felt that? Like, you... you... See, that's such a deep cut reference. (laughs) It's really only happened, like, two years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. That's so awful. Um, Not especially... So I went to, like, a Welsh language school, and it's very... Elvish? Yes, very elvish. Oh, my God. So much elvish. I imagine Welsh people are magical. That's it. (laughs) No. (laughs) Afraid not. Um, So it was a very small school, mostly run by women. I was Mary in the school play. I threw the baby into the... Just say that in front of her like that's not I'm so sorry. (laughs) She's sitting there carrying her trauma into this space. She's boldly shared. And you're just like, I was Mary and I dropped the baby. So, oh, I really I had it all. Sorry. <laughs> wow, you're from you really. It's a you different really generation. A feminist zoo, yeah, I can't complain it, and then one. I can't complain about it, and then uh, obviously I, I grew up and realised the world wasn't like that. So that was her. That was a fun lesson to learn. Because I I met somebody and she said that um, her parents told her she could do anything at all, mm. and they never mentioned gender. And she said, I was so angry with them because um, all my childhood I did everything I wanted and everything I thought, I never even thought about gender. She said, then I went to university and everyone in the first year was talking about feminism and talking about how unfair life was for, for, for women and girls. And she said, I was like, no, it isn't. You can do anything. And they all laughed at her. And she went home and she said, why didn't you tell me? And they said, we didn't want to limit you. And she said, but you should have told me about sexism. I think this is really unfair. And I thought, you really can't get parenting right, can you? I, I yeah. agree. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. I, 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 my parents are great. I love them. If you're listening to this, you're great. But they fucked me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, How did they fuck you? Because they instilled this belief in me that, like, you can be whatever you want to be. And, like, looking at their careers, I was like, I guess I can. Because neither of them went to university and yet had very successful careers in their mm. fields. And instilled all, like, me and my siblings with this, like, go, do, be. Be, create, mm. and then I got to university, and it was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, and you suddenly were introduced to the concept of the glass ceiling, absolutely, yeah. and you it's saw. quite low. Yeah. I would say of my mother, she, when I was a kid, very much like feminist icon, just did exactly what she wanted whenever she wanted, and then when I got to like my early twenties, she's the one that started being like, so when am I going to have grandbabies? Oh. When are you going to meet a nice man? And I was like, firstly, how dare you? <laughs> Where, how dare you, Mandeep? Um, I've just named her. Don't <laughs> listen to this, Mandeep. <laughs> we were all in such a hypnotic trance with your beautiful accent that we didn't hear the name. So that's oh, fair enough. Absolutely fair. Yeah. That, sound, that looked very flirtatious and I apologise. <laughs> I do have predator energy. Um, <laughs> Felicity Ward, do you have a feminist origin story for Saturday night? Well, look, I had the perfect blend of a mother with strong feminist ideals that she wanted to pass on to me in the confines of a relationship with an alcoholic in small beach town Australia. So let me tell you, I am damaged. (laughs) Um, Oh, I can do anything unless I'm in a relationship and that will always come first because my priorities are pretty fucked up. <laughs> and I do not always practice what I preach. Practice what you preach. Practice what, what, I what you preach. Yeah. yeah, so I, I mean I, I was like I had a really big chip on my shoulder when I was younger that I could do anything that the boys could but that didn't come from feminism. That was because I assumed my dad wanted a son. So 
this got more serious than we all intended. Um, so I always had that chip on my shoulder and I, I ended up doing this sketch show when I was like 24, 25 and we got onto television very quickly and um, I remember the first interview I ever did and this is why I'm generous to like women who are in their 20s who say very anti-feminist stuff because I, wa- I said, like because this still gets asked how embarrassing, this was in 2005, there was my first interview ever with a newspaper and they said, what do you think about women doing comedy? And one, I thought that was a reasonable question. I didn't question that. And I said, it's fine as long as they're not talking about women's stuff. Women's stuff. I grew up in a very sexist household, you know, like a really small town, 1980s, you know, regional Australia. It takes a while. It takes a while to figure this stuff out. Yeah. And And when did you figure it out though? Probably my late 20s, I broke up with a very, in a, I was in a very long-term relationship and we broke up and then I sort of had to figure out who I was and then I sort of started seeing things on the news about how, uh, you know, what, there were places that women couldn't breastfeed. I was like, what? Oh, I don't really understand that. And so it started very, do you know what it was? I read uh, Caitlin Moran's How to Be a Woman. Oh, yeah. I know that that's very like 101 stuff. Uh, no offence to her but like it's not... It's yeah, not at like, the time it was very entry level yeah. and things have Entry level is and exactly changed quite quickly. It really, really helped me. It yeah. really, really helped me and it really catapulted um, my interest in that. And then there is an, um, there's another like old school feminist called Helen Razor. She used to be a broadcaster in Australia for Triple J, but she, uh, she has very like hardcore Marxist feminist um, articles. She's an extraordinary writer. Um, it, quite challenging stuff, but I knew her a little bit, and I would read her articles and stuff like that. And that sort of, uh, leading up to about thirty, that sort of uh, got me going. And then it, it just it just keeps happening. Like I just keep learning more and more, and even more having a kid. Um, I am so much more of a feminist. I've never believed in abortion. Cut that. No, I'm joking. I've never believed in abortion more until I got pregnant. I was pregnant. I'm like, you cannot put people through this that don't want this mm. because I wanted it more than anything and I couldn't for like years and then it happened out of nowhere and I loved being pregnant but it is the most insane thing that you can ever put your body through mm. and I loved it but you cannot put people through that. You cannot put people through that that don't choose it for nine months. I had two, you just can't. (laughs) Like if you take away the my body, my rights, which is the the discussion, but you can't, it's so, I had two bleeds and one night they had to um, give me a steroid injection because they're like, you might give birth tonight. And I was like, what? And I was like, I, I don't know, seven months pregnant or something. And so you get this needle that creates an amount of pain that is comparable to childbirth. Wow. It was like I was crying just for – I'm like, you can't do this to people. You can't go, sorry, oh, you can adopt it. It's like, fuck you. You fucking have the baby and then you can adopt it. I'm not doing this. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. <clears throat> so that – it's interesting <laughs> because I think <laughs> what you've raised there is that you have new spikes because you're pregnant quite recently. Your baby's not that old. You I know, was pregnant for two and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it. I loved it. It's, but your, <laughs> I but said I want more, longer, stay in. But your feminism spikes at periods in your life, yes. which is yeah. really interesting. Priya, have you ever had a sort of spike like that where you've suddenly gone, fuck me? Yeah, for sure. Like I was saying, when I was in uni, it was the first time I properly had that realisation. And it's because I had an argument with my friend that I'd known since I was 12 because she said she wasn't a feminist. She didn't believe in feminism. And I just could not comprehend. And I think it's stuff like that when you come up against, not adversaries, but adversaries, um, (laughs) that you like really uh, get quite introspective with it and continue to learn and grow i i i feel this same thing because i was i was remembering the other day i was in when i was a jehovah's witness i was in a if you knew the feminist institution (laughs) i was because i always had a strong i think i had a strong sense of it when i was a kid but my family became jehovah's witnesses when i was 14 so i had a sort of strong but i didn't know all the words for it but i would feel angered if girls were left out of something or you know that kind of thing but I was, we were doing this, it was called the book study, where you'd all sit around um, in someone's house. It wasn't a meeting at the Kingdom Hall. You'd sit around in someone's house and you'd read chapters of this book written by the Watchtower Society and, you know, everyone would have to answer questions. But it was like Q&A. You had to say what was in the book. And I remember it was called The Family Book. And I think it was written in the 70s, but we were studying it in the 90s. And it was so outdated and it was awful. And remember one of the paragraphs said... Um, it was about how how to have a good Jehovah's Witness family, basically. And one of the families said, men need respect and women need love. So so a a godly wife must respect her husband and uh, an obedient servant of Jehovah who's a man must, you know, he must must, uh, love his wife. And I remember putting my hand up. There was an elder I knew. I was a pioneer. I was quite high profile in the Jehovah's Witnesses. Like I was devout and... No brag. No. (laughs) <laughs> I was the Taylor Swift of my congregation. I <laughs> but I was, I, what, what I'm saying is I wasn't this sort of angry feminist slacker up the back. I was, I was a devout Jehovah's Witness. I was a pioneer. I had responsibility. Pioneer is people that knock on the doors, you know, uh, for free 90 hours a month. And so I was 90 hours a month. Fucking hell, man. And so... Um, my dad was a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. Very similar. <laughs> Very similar. Did he, did he work for Dyson? Um, <laughs> Electrolux, <laughs> the enemy. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, I remember this so well. There's just this paragraph angered me to my core. And I put my hand up when the question was asked, what do men and women need? I put my hand up and said, both men and women need love and respect. And I just looked this elder in the eye. And he looked back at me and went, yes, but who wears the pants in the family? And someone else put their hand up and said, the man. And I was like, <laughs> fuck this shit. I stayed in that religion for some years afterwards. It's so hard to get out. It's so hard to get out. It's a high control group. And the punishment for leaving is everyone. And you love shunning you and everything. But oh, man, those things. In the Bible, I used to get so angry reading the Bible because of the way women were treated. So angered by, you know, you're, you were probably, I don't know, you're a, it was the same age when you were falling off a national monument into the arms of a beautiful stranger drinking too much tequila. What I was doing was getting really angry at the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> Furious. I have a mad story from literally the other day. So my girlfriend and I are currently um, doing, we're looking into IVF because we need to find some sperm. Um, <laughs> not to worry, we found some. Because um, we're killing that. off the men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
It's not that hard to find, to be honest. They, no, they... <laughs> Ellie's toilet <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's some under this table. This is, it's a comedy club, let's be honest. But as part of that process, you have to have counselling. So we're doing it with a private facility and they provide counselling for us. So and funny, when lesbians have to have counselling, but straight people can just exactly. be up the duff, out the back of a nightclub. It can happen in a bathroom. It exactly. can literally happen accidentally. No one's counselling you. You know, anyway, sorry, go on. You, you talk about your counselling though. Um, and the counsellor, so my girlfriend and I were on the call and she uh, like asked me to turn something off and I... Um, turned yeah it was a fan I turned the fan off and he went well I can see who wears the pants in the relationship and I was like excuse me the it's 2023 and we're both goyles <laughs> I'm so confused wow it's fucked wow Jesus. that's wholly shocking to yeah. me um, Zoe, do you have one moment in time when your feminism was reignited in that way? Yeah, I, I do. Um, for sure. It was in university as well. Um, I, w- I was in a theater school. I went to theater school. It was a conservatory program, really intense. And we had a very feminist teacher who t- taught us like movement and like we would do like Pilates and running. It was a really intense movement course program. She was such a feminist and I really, I admired her and respected her. And the day before our final show in our fourth year, um, and I had a big role and it was a big deal. I hadn't had a big role yet. Um, in front of the whole class, she announced, she was like, you know, this is a, it's the end of the year, it's the end of the show. And like, you know, some of us aren't going to aren't going to do well in this industry and she looked at me and she pointed to me and she said you know like Zoe Zoe's going to have a hard time in this industry <laughs> and I, I was shocked I was like wait is this a test <laughs> are we in the matrix <laughs> what's happening I had never been challenged like that and taken down like that wow. and let alone like by who I thought was like a feminist, like a, someone who was on my level. Uh, and it was really, like, I was very angry and upset by it, but it remains the sort of like moment in time for me as like a, it's not about boys and girls. <laughs> it's about people and anyone can say any, anything and, and really take someone down. So it was a, I put her on a pedestal and it wasn't, you know, it yeah. wasn't fair. And so sometimes the people that we look to to facilitate our power and our confidence can rob it. And they may not even mean to do that. Like your parents. But, absolutely. Um, but, <laughs> but I, Twice I, a week in therapy. Two years. <laughs> but, but what I want to take away from tonight is this. All of these moments all of these worst moments for us or these moments that were significant to us, that is what has driven us to be on the stage, to find our way to have a voice and to come to feminism and to come and, you know, be on TV, to do all of those things. To give reluctant headway. That's right. (laughs) So whatever those moments are for you in your origin stories, please know that they have led you here and sometimes those moments are our inspiration. If you had had a life fully free of any kind of sexism, fully free of any kind of, uh, of uh, adversity, you would not have the power, the motivation, the intention and the, the joy that has drawn you here tonight. So thank you so much for coming. And can I have a huge, huge round of applause for Zoe Brownstone? <laughs> Priya Hall. Felicity Ward. And Deborah Francis White. Um, uh, quickly, Flick, 
uh, wanted to plug something. Have you got anything to plug, Flick? Yes, I've got an, a special on Amazon Prime. It's under the Soho Theatre Live series, season three. And also I am doing a three-hour comedy show called The Motherfucking Trilogy at Just for Laughs London. And it's about uh, pregnancy and birth and early motherhood. And I had postnatal depression and there's stuff about not being able to have kids as well. So if you were triggered by that stuff, don't worry, there's something for you too. Excellent. So please book tickets to that. Please book tickets to the motherfucking trilogy. Priya, anything to plug? Um, I have a podcast with the wonderful comedian uh, Leila Nababi, also my girlfriend. I'm afraid uh, we don't Wales know other podcasts to be plugged. Absolutely fair. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> and I will also be in Edinburgh uh, later this year. What's the show called? Don't know. Where's it going to be? Who's to know? But do come. <laughs> Great. Listen to Priya Hall's podcast. What's it called? Whales of a Time. Whales of a Time. Brilliant. Zoe, anything to plug? Yeah, I'm working on a brand new hour for Edinburgh this year. It's in previews March, April, May. Uh, it's gonna be insane so come um follow me on instagram i'm at zoe zoe haha um that's really the the name on instagram (laughs) so please follow me so i can figure out a better one (laughs) great if you could find us follow us on socials if you'd like to come to another show we've got one january 26th at king's place we've also if you're any if you know anyone out kingston way we're at the rose theater this month uh if you know anyone in dublin we're there but i think that might, might might be sold out Uh, Please come and join us again. Go to guiltyfeminist.com and join our mailing list. Follow us. Uh, If you could review, rate, review and subscribe the show, it helps other people find it, but only if you give it five stars. (laughs) Thank you. You've been a lovely Saturday night audience, Soho. Much less drunk than I thought. Thank you. We've had an incredible week at the Soho Theatre. Can you please... Thank all of the staff, especially as we've run over again. And a huge thank you to Richard. Who was amazing. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest host, Felicity Ward, and our very special guest, Zoe Brownstone and Priya Hall. The recording engineer was Grandi Lazimbra. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Zelinski for the Spotted Lady Shop. Thanks to Rachel Croft, Virginia Dizio, and Okay. I felt it. We breathed the empathy out. It's all fine. Okay. Okay. Everyone's having a really good time. Okay. I am just obviously not. The instructions, Felicity. They're just listening to the instructions. I am in okay. therapy twice a week. Okay. And I don't know if it's enough. Am okay. I lowering my antidepressants this week? Yes. Is it related to my outbursts? I don't know. But I'm not going to tell the pharmacist that. <laughs> The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com